to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Always glad to have this man back. He's the Senior Legal Counsel from the Great Lakes Justice Center, uh, greatlakesjc.org. It's Dave Coleman. Dave, how are you? Good to see you. Good to see you, Joe. Just got off a plane um, from from Detroit, you know, via Saginaw. And, um, man, love being in Michigan. You're based in Michigan, for those around the country who don't know. We've got 15 or 16 stations in Michigan. I was a TV news anchor in Michigan for a long time. And you know, family members were born there and so on. Love the state. I don't understand that you and I talk about how tyrannical it's becoming. You and I talk about the legislature going blue, the Supreme Court going blue, the governor, of course, the attorney general. Yet I'm driving around in you know general Michigan land, and there are American flags everywhere. People seem to love the Constitution. They all seem to be saying, uh, uh, let's go, Brandon. You know what I mean? So I'm confused about what this state is. Is it is it as close as you told me last time as one vote in the House, one vote in the Senate? Is the is the state really teetering that close to the edge? Because it appears to me to be a very conservative, I love America state. Yeah, I think overall it is, Joe. Uh, the problem is, is you've got a couple big metropolitan areas in the state that are really quite liberal. And you got the whole rest of the state, which is quite conservative. And so that's the problem is I think you had a lot of people deciding in this last election, for whatever reason, they were going to go with President Biden and they felt he was less of a threat or whatever. And they got snookered. They got fooled. Um, and there were very many close races in the state house and the state Senate that just fell the Democrats way. Very few votes. And now they have one vote majorities in both houses. And man, are they going, you know, they're running amok with all yeah. of these crazy bills. I don't know if you heard, they passed a bill that if you pay dues to a union in Michigan now, the taxpayers are going to pay your union dues. Did you hear about that one? Uh, can, 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 you, can you say buying union votes any louder? I know. It's unbelievable. They're going to do it through tax refunds. So if you pay $3,000 in union dues to your union, you can get $3,000 back from the taxpayers of the state of Michigan for those union dues that you paid. It's outrageous. Well, I would think that's illegal. That's uh, That sounds to me like it's election yeah. interference. Yeah, it's going to get challenged for sure. Well, I would hope so. I, I'm guessing you'll probably challenge it. Now, last week, I talked to my audience about HB 4474, the hate law. It's not even a hate crime. It's hate speech. If you If you feel like you're intimidated, you can call a cop and say, Coleman's intimidating me. Or if you feel like you've been threatened, even though you really haven't been, um, like somebody calls my mother a name, right? And I say, hey, don't call my mother a name. I'll kick your ass. I could go to prison. It could be a felony, right? Right. It, it's crazy. It, it, it all depends on the hearer, the listener to the words, not what you say or your intent. Joe, I could give the same speech word for word, give it to two different crowds, and one crowd could say, oh, we're all with you, Coleman. We love what you're saying. And we're with you. No problem at all. Nobody's offended. Nobody's frightened. No violation of the law. I'm speaking to another crowd that doesn't like what I'm saying. And somebody gets offended or they're frightened or they feel threatened or intimidated. I'm now open to being prosecuted for a five-year felony and going to prison for the same speech given to two different crowds. It's outrageous. Dave, again, I'm not a lawyer, but my mom says I could be. Um, the law applies to the offender, doesn't it? Not the offended. Of course. That's that's the whole point. Right. You can't have, it, it, we call it in First Amendment uh, litigation, you call it a heckler's veto. You know, you don't have a right as a heckler to shut somebody down, yell, scream, be so loud to shut them down so they can't speak. Right. You're not allowed to do that. Well, now they've taken it another step by saying, 
the hecklers now not only get a veto of your speech, they can prosecute you. So, it really is ridiculous. So uh, this is a great point. I didn't even think about this angle. So if I'm going to go speak at Michigan State University and I show up and I'm going to speak and there's the radical, we love abortion, lefty, whatever people show up and they start shouting me down. If I say, hey, man, let me just speak. They can now say I sound threatening or I'm intimidating them and their First Amendment right and they could call the cop if, yes. if this passed. Yes, if it passed. Now, thankfully, the Senate this past week in Michigan delayed the vote. They were all set to vote last Wednesday. And all accounts, what I was being told by other senators, they were going to pass it. They were going to ram it through. Well, we had put together an issue brief, which you can get at our website, uh, greatlakesjc.org, if you want to read the details. We had given that to all the legislators. We were out in the media talking about how unconstitutional the law was. But then on Wednesday, the the U.S. Supreme Court last week issued its counterman decision where there was a law in Colorado very similar to this hate speech law in Michigan. And the Michigan or the U.S. Supreme Court said the Colorado law was illegal, unconstitutional and could not be enforced because you cannot uh, prosecute somebody based on the impact on a listener. Yes. it's just crazy. And the U.S. Supreme Court just shot that down last Wednesday. Well, when that decision came out, I think the Senate Senate in Michigan decided, "Ah, maybe we better take another look at this. They pulled it back. They did not vote on it. Now they've just said it's delayed until the fall. So sometime in the fall, maybe they'll try to make changes. If they delay it until October, the Supreme Court will be back in session. And you guys can take it all the way there if you had to. So the House said yes. The Senate said, we're going to hold off for a second. Could this mean it goes away? It could mean that for sure. Uh, we're hopeful that that's what it means, because I think that decision by the Supreme Court is pretty clear. Yeah. You cannot have a law that says, I'm offended. I'm a snowflake. I don't like what you said to me, and I'm going to prosecute you now. It would be the death knell of, the, of free speech. It would be gone. It sure would. Yeah. It would be a ridiculous standard. It's uh, Senior Legal Counsel, Great Lakes Justice Center. It's Dave Coleman. Go to greatlakesjc.org and go find about uh, that, uh, find out about that brief and other things that, that, that he's working on. Let's get into the Supreme Court decisions from last week. But in, as a general swath, I just want to say this, and I want to know if you agree with this. The reason why there's a freakout over what the Supreme Court did last week isn't conservative versus liberal, isn't Republican versus Democrat. It's because the executive and the legislative now can't be tyrannical. Uh, you're exactly right. That's exactly they, they, what they, they were told you can't keep on stomping on the Constitution. It means something. Right. Right. Everything from the affirmative action case to the student loan case to the web designer case, all of those cases, you're right. That's the underlying premise of the whole uh, thing that why the left is freaking out, calling the Supreme Court a rogue court. You know, President Biden says they're not a normal court. Uh, I don't know if you heard Boston University has set up therapy for their students to deal <laughs> with the decisions of the court last week. I, 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 you know what? You know why? Because AOC went there. She allegedly <laughs> has her economics degree from Boston University. Uh, that's all. I did not hear that. That's very interesting. They'll probably, probably bring in pets because you could, you could pet the dog and feel better about your life or something. But but yeah. l- let's, let's get into a, a little bit of it. Affirmative action. If I recall, Cooley Law School had some sort of a thing where they were giving 20 extra points if you were black. Is that is that Michigan University, uh, University of Michigan, or Michigan State? Cooley. 
Well, it's a private law school. Oh, is it? It's, so it's separate completely. So it's separate, right? All right. And, it was, you know, wasn't wasn't there a case when I was a news anchor back there twenty years ago or yeah. twenty five years ago where a student, a white student, said, "Hey, this isn't fair. I've got better grades than this person, but because they're black, they get twenty points on the entrance exam." Right. That's exactly right. And you know what's interesting here in Michigan, people don't realize, we actually passed a ballot initiative and amended our Constitution 10 years ago to bar affirmative action based on race in public universities in Michigan. So this case really has no impact in that sense in Michigan because we did it 10 years ago. Wow. But it did not apply to private colleges. And now this decision from the Supreme Court will apply to all private colleges like Cooley Law School uh, any other private college in the state. So they can no longer use race as a factor, has to be merit, must be colorblind, all those things that drive the left crazy. And, and again, the left is freaking out. Dave, this is very simple. You can't use racism for anything in this country if, in fact, we afford equal opportunity. And, and the people who are freaking out saying that it's necessary literally are saying those other than Asians going to Ivy League schools or those other than whites going to schools in North Carolina are less than. Black people can't possibly compete. We have to give them this illegal leg up through racism. Isn't it? I mean, that's all it was really saying, wasn't it? Right, exactly. And the court has now said no more. That is not allowed. Think about the impact on how this is going to spread out, though. Just from college admissions, that's fairly narrow. Right. Think about this same principle in the in the issue of DEI organizations or commit, you know, of uh, parts of government or business. You know, you have these DEI committees, diversity, equity, inclusion. Right. They're basing this on race. And they're that would go away. Sorts of training and all sorts of advantages in the public marketplace and in private business. I think this decision could be the death knell of the DEI movement also. And by the way, DEI was never about diversity. It's about it's about individuals making a lot of money by saying, I'm your DEI training, uh, or I'm the DEI trainer, or here's the DEI handbook that we made. But give us $30,000, and then we'll teach your people how to be more diverse. It's all very right. strange. It's, it's the same thing as BLM, which is the money grab to buy mansions for a few people. It's Dave Coleman for the Great Lakes um, Justice Center. Go to greatlakesjc.org to find out about these cases and more. Are you fully versed on this website case? Because the left wants me to believe that it's a fake case. It's a hypothetical. There was no real aggrieved party, yet somehow she got to the Supreme Court. Is that true? No, that's not true. She's a web designer and was objecting to being forced or compelled to speak in a certain way. What they're trying to argue there is a real nuanced argument, Joe. It's dealing with, well, she hasn't actually been prosecuted yet, so she's really not a victim yet. Because Colorado hasn't gone after her. But there was a gay couple that asked her to do a website. Yeah, they've gone after Jack Phillips a number of times and everything else. But she didn't ask. She asked for what's called a declaratory ruling that here's a law. Colorado has made it clear they're going to enforce it this way. Court, please protect me. I want a declaratory ruling that they can't do this to me. She had every right to bring such a lawsuit, and that's what the Supreme Court said. I want to be extremely clear, though. Was she asked by a gay couple to do their website? Not, I don't believe there is an actual request at the time she filed. I think there may have been after the case started. So she was actually attacking the standing law that said, yeah. should this occur, you're going to make me do it, and my religious beliefs say that I don't have to. Right, exactly. And so this is the whole thing. The government cannot compel speech. Look, we have the right to think as we will and to speak as we think, as Judge Justice Gorsuch said. You cannot compel anybody to violate their conscience. 
And so that's why this is such a key key decision. It's not, you know, the press is trumpeting this as an anti-LGBT, you know, decision. It's not. This is a pro-First Amendment affirmance of the of your right to speak right. and not have the government tell you that you have to believe a certain way or act a certain way. This is going to protect, you know, think about it. If I'm a gay website designer and an evangelical Christian comes to that gay designer and says, I want you to do my website because I am opposed to LGBT. Are they going to make that gay web designer do something that violates their conscience? That guy, that gay designer should not have to be forced to do it either. Free speech is free speech for everybody. Well, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm guessing that in Dearborn and Hamtramck, Michigan, you probably have some caterers that, that are catering to Muslim weddings. I yes. can't imagine. Can you imagine a Jew going in and saying, listen, I'm going to need you to do this. It's got to all be uh, um, uh, completely according to my religion. Don't want any of the stuff that you normally do. And you have to do it because I say so or else we'll have you arrested or charged. It just, David, that doesn't make any sense. Of course, you know, uh, you can't tell a Muslim uh, uh, a caterer, make make a bunch of Hebrew food. You can't say it's it's got to all be good to go. And if you don't do it, I'm going to sue you. Uh, come on. Right. Yeah. And, and Justice Gorsuch said pretty clearly, you cannot mislabel speech, call it discrimination, and then censor it. You can't do that. You can't get away with that. It's interesting so, because, again, you and, I, you, you and I have talked about this a million times, Dave. Uh, yeah. Speech, the First Amendment only has free speech in it because that gives you and me the ability to disagree. It gives, it gives me the, dis, the, the ability to, to, to say Joe Biden's a horrible president and not be arrested for that. It's only for disagreeable speech. Why did we miss that point? I don't know. Look, disagreement is not hate speech. Disagreement is not discrimination. It's just speech. And we have the right to speak and express our point of view and to not be threatened and abused or shut down or have my business destroyed by government because they don't like my speech. Right. That's the whole point. And, you know, there's one other case, just real quick, if I could mention that people are overlooking from last week. The U.S. Supreme Court in that Groff decision, Groff versus DeJoy, this is the United States postal worker who was basically fired because he wouldn't work on Sundays because of his religious beliefs. That is a really important case also because the court affirmed again, now the standard isn't this minimal, oh, if the business is harmed in some little way, they can get away with, you know, disregarding someone's religious beliefs. No, now the court has reaffirmed undue burden. It has to be a substantial burden on the employer in order for them to disregard somebody's beliefs there. So factors of how, you know, it impacts other workers, um, things like that. But think, here's the example, Joe. What if you have Muslims working for your business and they want to pray five times a day? Right. Well, that takes up to an hour a day to do those five prayer times. Do I have to accommodate that or not now? This is where the court said it's fact intensive on these kinds of issues. So let me give you two examples on that issue with a Muslim praying five times a day. You work a desk job and you get a half hour of breaks anyway every day. So can you get another half hour by doing a half hour shorter lunch or you work till 530 or things like that to accommodate that belief? I would say there the employer has to accommodate. But what if you're a line worker or you're driving truck and you have perishable goods and you're gonna stop five times a day, you're gonna disrupt the line that's impacting you know, other workers, it's costing the business a lot of money. There, I would say they don't have to accommodate that. So you see how this, uh, this decision is so important. It varies depending on the facts of a particular case, 
but it gives a lot more protection to religious faith and belief in the workplace. Well, I don't think the media understood it. That's why they didn't talk about that case whatsoever last week, and thank you for spelling it out. It's uh, Dave Coleman, Great Lakes Justice Center, greatlakesjc.org. Go there. Very quickly, if you don't mind, um, the whole idea of paying back student loans cannot be done by the executive. It's not in the Constitution. The purse strings aren't in the executive's pockets. The purse strings are, are with the House of Representatives. You've got to get Congress, and I love that John Roberts actually quoted Nancy Pelosi in the ruling. I thought that was hilarious. Um, but you've got to start this in the Congress to get it back to the executive to sign it as a bill if you want to give some sort of so-called debt relief. This was, again, just a very basically constitutional decision, was it not? Well, it's actually more of a statutory decision. Okay. I mean, Congress could give the president authority to forgive debt or to do certain things within certain parameters, but they never gave him that authority. The Biden administration was just making it up and taking a bill, the HEROES Act, and saying, well, this gives me the authority, when it did not. It gave no such authority. So all the Supreme Court said was, hey, look, if Congress wants to forgive debt and they can do it through a statute and they can give that authority to the executive, but you got to do it right. You can't make it up. Dave, great stuff. I, I love you you spelling it out. Hopefully, Michigan's going to be smart, and by the fall, they'll make this thing go away and not push it. When it goes to the Supreme Court, they're going to lose anyway. So I think that'd be just sort of a an effort in, in a futility. But Dave, thanks so much for staying on top of this stuff, and come back on soon, all right? All right, will do, Joe. Always a pleasure. Appreciate thanks. you, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. You're listening to Joe Pags. Great to have you. Thanks. I appreciate you stopping by. We appreciate Dave Coleman coming on the Great Lakes Justice Center, greatlakesjc.org. Go and check him out there. We've got uh, next hour to be Victor Avila. Some inside information about exactly what's going on with the border and how the uh, Biden administration is purposely jacking around with those numbers, not telling the truth, and how he would fix it should he become a U.S. representative next year. 888-941-PAGS, JoePags.com. Scroll down, send me an email. Make sure you follow on the on the Instagram. We're back after this. This is the Joe Pegg Show.